Well, would you turn to Proverbs chapter 3? Proverbs 3, and um, we will read verses 13 through 35 through the end of the chapter. And if you would stand for the reading of the word this morning, I'd appreciate it. This is, um, I'll, I'll say this, the, the Bible is, is not the treasure of all treasures. God is the treasure of all treasures. But it's God's word that reveals specifically, specially, who God is. We can look at the stars, right, which we'll talk about for just a moment, but we can look at the stars, we can look at the sky, and all that points to God, but God's word specifically tells us who God is. And, and it is of great rejoicing to know that. So, this is the authoritative word of God spoken to you and I this morning, not from a, a heart of a father who is angry, but a father who's saying, come, come and find value, come and find meaning, come and find everything you're looking for. So, Proverbs 3, 13. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. That is wisdom and understanding. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her, her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge the deep broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. My, my son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then, then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, of the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. And do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it's in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he's done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways for the devious person is an abomination to the Lord but the upright are in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. This is the word of God for you and I this morning. May it be blessed on us and strengthen us in our very inner core and change our lives. Lord, would you open our eyes to see beautiful things out of your word this morning. As a congregation, individually, whether whether like longtime members or first-time guests, Lord, we all are in desperate need of hearing from you this morning. So please, would you please be pleased to do that for your glory and for our joy. In Jesus' name, amen. And you can be seated. Well, I haven't watched an episode of this for a long time, but remember the show when people would, you know, find like a trinket or find something in like a 
like an attic somewhere or whatever, and they don't know if it's worth anything, and so they take it to, you know, whatever it's called, Roadshow Antiques or something like that, you know, and they go and they're like, is this, is this broken piece of pottery worth anything? And, and I would imagine many people went, around, went, went away feeling distraught that that thing wasn't worth anything, but there's always the stories, right, of something that was just kind of hanging out in their attic or hanging out in somebody's attic, and they took it, and they find out it's worth $1.3 million. And that thing that was just collecting dust in the attic all of a sudden became very, very valuable to them. And there was no putting that thing back in the attic, no taking it to the thrift store to get out of your house. It all of a sudden became super valuable to you, either for selling or for uh, investing in, in something else or whatever, or just protecting it for the day that is worth maybe even more. You know, unless we understand the value and worth of godly wisdom, no matter how much we hear about it, no matter how much we consider it, we simply will not get serious about actually pursuing it if we don't understand its worth. Do you hear that? So, like, we can hear it, right? We, we can hear it's valuable, but, like, unless we grasp it, unless we know by the power of the Spirit that it is valuable and worth everything to run after, we, we just simply won't run after it because we have other ideas of what is more valuable. Um, for you and me to pursue godly wisdom, defined in Proverbs primarily, uh, this is simplifying it, but as a life that both understands the fear of the Lord and grows in a true, vibrant knowledge of God, as we've spoken of each week along this journey, we must grasp its overwhelmingly worthiness, beauty, value, truly and earnestly knowing it, believing that godly wisdom is of enormous value. And when we grasp the overwhelming worth of this godly wisdom, then we'll be prepared to pursue it with all of our being and find the proverbial pot at the end of the rainbow of God's promises. Blessedness, blessedness, or happiness, contentedness, rest, satisfaction, and joy. All what I spoke about two weeks ago, which was real life. The real life that we're longing for. and lo like where, where things can happen to us in life, but oh, we have the sense that God is for me, and, and I, I love him, and he loves me, and nothing can, nothing can take me away from his love. And he will keep me from this time forth and forevermore until the day that I see him face to face where there will be great joy. When we grasp that, man, when, when we grasp the reality that we can truly trust the loving, fatherly heart of God amid all sorts of hardships, doesn't matter what comes our way. God is for us. God is not against us. He will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Finding this wisdom, that is just not knowing those truths, but, but, but really deeply knowing and believing those truths, trusting the heart of God, finding that wisdom is to have been given by God, true knowledge of him, and the joy-filled, hopeful glory of knowing the fear of the Lord. Namely, putting off sinful fears and instead grasping increasingly that we are created for and we exist for the Holy One that we sung about this morning, sung to this morning. Holy, 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 merciful 
and mighty. We were reminding ourselves, but we were proclaiming that truth to God. This is who we know you to be. This is why we raise our hands to him. This is why we, we, we do this, because we're, we're before the presence of God by the blood of Jesus as we come each and every Sunday. As a matter of fact, not just on Sundays, although there's a special thing that's happening right now as we're gathering. As we gather before the presence of the Lord together, not simply just in, on Smithville and Dayton. We have come before the presence of God to hear from him. We will increasingly be aware that true life is found in him, trusting him, believing him, following him, and in peace and in rest and in hope and in contentedness and joy and blessedness, reveal the glorious name of the Lord and extend his glory into the neighborhoods and nations of this world. The fear of God is not marked by anxiety of God, but true enjoyment of him. Knowing that we're his children, that we are, as the psalmist says, the sheep of his pasture. That, that we're his and he is ours. And, and that causes us to walk in humble adoration of him. Humble wondering that we have been treated as sons and daughters. Who, who are we? Well, we're those who have received merit, not our own. All because God has set his affection on us. This is real wisdom. This is foundational wisdom. It's not just about like choosing what the more wise thing is over the other thing. It's at the root. At the root it is existing, knowing that you exist for God. And everything he is, he is for you. And we exist for him and for his glory and really truly for our joy. Dude. Do you want that kind of wisdom? Do you want that kind of wisdom where it, is, where it produces contentedness in your life? Do you want that kind of wisdom where it produces real rest? Do you want that kind of contentedness or kind of, kind of wisdom that produces um, joy? Joy. Even in the middle of difficult circumstances, that there is a settledness that God is for you. Do we want that? Yes, we want that. That's real wisdom. And Solomon continues to speak to his son, and he pleads with his son to grasp the overwhelming worth of wisdom so that he might choose to actually pursue it. Because again, you don't pursue that which you don't think is valuable. But if you believe that wisdom is of great value, well, if you really truly believe that, come to understand that, one, God has, has been at work in you to open your eyes to see, but you will run after that which he has laid out before you. We need to be given eyes to see, don't we? Our eyes are in our ears, in our hearts, in our minds are overcome with all sorts of other things. Real things, real difficult things. We need to be given eyes to see. We need God to unite our hearts to fear his name. We need God to incline our hearts and to to incline our minds to hear his word and trust what it says because if we don't see the worth of godly wisdom then this is a, a waste of time because we're going to end up going after something else and in the end find it terribly wanting there's nothing new from what we've heard already in these last number of weeks and in this long text we're going to consider rather briefly this morning three points first 
the overwhelming worth of wisdom to mankind, second, the overwhelming worth of wisdom to God, and third, the overwhelming wisdom, the overwhelming worth of wisdom to um, the Son and to us. The first, the overwhelming worth of wisdom to mankind. We read in verse 14 about things like silver and gold, and in verse 15 about jewels. Why, why that specific comparison? Well, two weeks ago, right, when we were in Proverbs 2, Solomon made this same analogy when he called his son to treasure up his commandments. And he went on to explain what he had in mind, that when it comes to wisdom and when it comes to understanding, when it comes to insight, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. There is... There is something in that treasure chest outside, and it is the wisdom of God, except it's right here in our hands. The, the, the wisdom of God, it's not just the Word, but it is the one who the Word directs us to. That's where wisdom is found, so He calls us to, to seek it out like silver. A couple of weeks ago, I, I gave the recommendation of going through Psalm 119. And so we're in day 14 today of 21 days, I think, or maybe 22, but... but but like for me, it's been this repetitive word of treasuring up his commands, treasuring up his commands. I, I can deal with affliction because your word is true. I can do this because your word is true. I can, I can, I can find joy because your word is true and I pursue your word. I can deal with all sorts of enemies because your word is true. Worth, worth everything. People will go to incredible lengths to gain earthly wealth, and we've all been tempted to believe that money, um, you know, money, well, money does help. Money does help in this world. Um, but we believe that if we had more money, then life would be better. We'd, we'd be more comfortable, we'd have less problems, we'd feel happier, more secure, and so we are regularly tempted to both prize and pursue earthly wealth. We will do whatever to go after that. But Solomon's telling us that wisdom and understanding is far better than any earthly treasure. Now, a few weeks ago, three weeks ago, Dan preached, I think it was three weeks ago, Dan preached on, on finances, generosity, and whatnot, and speaking into that kind of reality. But at the, at the base, what I'm trying to get at this morning is this fact that we just treasure things wrongly. Understandably, Mankind does. We, we tend to do that. But when we've give, been given eyes to see, Solomon tells us, and we, we can either believe it or not, it's, it's like one or the other, there's, there's a choice here. You don't have to believe what he says, but, but oh, wisdom would say, believe what it says. He says in verse 14, the gain from her is better than gain from silver. So let's stop there. Do you believe that? Do you believe that godly wisdom is better than silver, better than gold, more profit than gold? She's more precious than jewels. Nothing can desire, nothing you desire can compare with wisdom. Nothing you desire. How many things do we desire? Nothing that we desire can compare with godly wisdom. This is what Solomon's telling us this morning. It's what the Spirit is telling us. He's saying that nothing you desire can compare with wisdom. So again... Two weeks ago, we spoke about receiving the Word of God. 
My son, if you will receive my word, Solomon said, inclining our heart to his word. And, and again, if you've been continuing in the portions of Psalm 119, you've seen repeatedly the, the joys and strengths and the hope and peace that comes from God's word, specifically not just listening to the word of God, but actually believing the word of God, trusting it and allowing it to, to form our own time of prayer before God. Because when you're reading, when you're listening to Psalm 119 or reading Psalm 119, I mean, there's declarations in there, but in every declaration, there's a supplication. <laughs> oh Lord, I, I, want, I, I want that. I want to be changed by your word. I want to find hope in your word. And, and so, again, honestly, it's, it's, it's not, this, this sermon's not complicated. It's, do you believe verses 14 and 15? It's, it's, it's the word of God to us. Do, do you believe it? Do we really believe it? That wisdom and understanding of God and his ways and living with a sense of wonder and shock and thankfulness that we exist for God and that true life is found in him as our creator and Lord and Savior is truly more precious than anything else. That nothing, nothing, nothing is more beautiful. Nothing is more wonderful. Nothing is more satisfying. Nothing is more peace-enduring. Nothing is more rest-causing. Do you see what the value of this might be to mankind? Everyone's clamoring for rest. Everyone's clamoring for peace. Everyone's clamoring for hope. But we're being told clearly how to, how to get it. it true life. I mean, how much is being offered in this text to you and I? And, and frankly, to your neighbors and to presidents around the world and to the Congress and to everybody. How much is being promised here? Is that how you think about wisdom? True life, is it really that valuable? Yeah, yes. It is truly that valuable. And Solomon goes on to explain a little bit more why. He says in verse 16, long life is in her right hand. And in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. So silver and gold and jewels can buy you a nice house and a nice vacation and a nice car. But they cannot buy you long life. They can't buy you honor as it's written here. Riches can't purchase pleasantness or peace but godly wisdom does and it will consider the long life given as an example here all, all the way through the first nine chapters really of proverbs we read about wisdom leading to life or or years or length of days how so well according to solomon wisdom is profitable for life in that it protects us from death now consider Proverbs chapter 2, verses 12 through 15. When we considered how wisdom delivers us from deadly consequences awaiting foolish and wicked men. In general, if you run around with violent people, if you abuse your body with addicts, if you keep company with people who love to break the rules, if you stay out late with fools, and in general, statistically, you're just going to live a shorter life. Or consider the other example that is often in these first number of chapters, the allusions for the son to consider of 
the woman of adultery or the forbidden woman? What, what is it that sexual immorality has to do with living a long life? Well, recall Solomon's words again from two weeks ago when he says this in chapter 2. He says about the forbidden woman, and think, think about it this way. It's not just, it's not just about outright um, like adultery, and so there's like a category that's really bad, and then everything else is kind of like, mm. we're talking about pornography, we're talking about lust, we're talking about uh, fornication and adultery, we're talking about the whole gamut, we're talking about um, gazing, like looking, looking upon another person, male or female, with a sense of, I want that. So bad. And I will use that thing, that person, that whatever, for, for my pleasure. I mean, that's, that's what's being spoken of here. For the house, her house, or you could say his house, sinks down to death. Sexual immorality, that, 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 that temptation. Her house sinks down to death, it says in Proverbs 2.18. And her paths to the departed, none who go down to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. I mean, that's, that's death. Or move forward to chapter 6 for a moment. Consider some words about sexual immorality that could not be clearer when he says this. He says, he who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. And if we moved beyond long life and talked about the other examples of how wisdom and understanding are seen as gain in verses 16 and 17, what, what is it we see? I mean, things like riches and honor and pleasantness and peace. And as we move forward in this book, we're going to read about how godly wisdom delivers us from all sorts of financial consequences of poor management and selfishness or laziness. And of course, these are just some of the common everyday examples of how godly wisdom as described in Proverbs as a true knowledge of God and living with understanding of the fear of the Lord helps us to avoid the costly and sometimes deadly consequences of foolish, reckless, and or wicked choices. So, so consider just for a moment the opportunities that avail itself on the internet for all sorts of stuff. All sorts of things that are godless that are going to sink you down into death. Godly wisdom says don't go there. But it's not just don't go there. Come to me. Come, come to me, God's saying. Don't go there. There's death there, but there is life. There's life when you come to me. Why, why is that wisdom so valuable? Well, it, I mean, it should just make sense, right? Why is it we struggle with that so much? Well, because we're in desperate need of a Savior all the time. We're in desperate need of going to him regularly. Every time we turn on that computer, every time we lift up our phone and we see a titillating ad on Instagram, every time we are tempted to purchase this thing that we don't need or that thing we don't need or, or to do whatever it is, we're being, we're being confronted with this all the time. Wisdom is so valuable because it gives us life every single day throughout the day because she is a tree of life for those who lay hold of her verse 18 those who hold her fast are called blessed those who don't hold her fast 
There, there's life-sucking death at the end. Being distraught and destroyed and, and depressed and devastated all the time and just living with no meaning whatsoever. But God calls us to him to have fine, true life, true wisdom, to be able to experience real life, real content, real joy, even amid the sorrowful moments that are experienced in this life. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Now, of course, Solomon would be kind of harking back to the tree of life in the Garden of Eden, right? That the people of Israel would have known all about. This was to them in particular. Just like that tree, godly wisdom, both gained and given by God, results in a kind of life transformation that, that results in being greatly blessed, uh, great, greatly happy, greatly content, greatly blessed. Lady Wisdom will say in chapter 8, verse 35, whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. We, we sang about it this morning. <laughs> if we think that outside of the grace of God that we can approach holy God, uh, we're mistaken. But we've been given merit not our own, that we have now been given the privilege through Christ and his work of righteousness transferred to me, all my sin on him, all his righteousness on me. Now by the blood of Christ I come, we come by grace, by the blood of Jesus, before the throne with confident assurance that he welcomes us and he sees us and he loves us and there's contentment to be had. Some blessings, just a few. If you read Proverbs, you can just look for blessings all the way along. But Proverbs 2 7, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity. Chapter 3, verse 6, he will make straight your paths. Proverbs 3, verse 26, he will keep your foot from being caught. Proverbs 3, verse 34, he to the humble will give favor. That is just an overwhelming worth of wisdom to mankind here that's available. And it's not simply about making wise decisions, though certainly it inc that's included in this reality. This is godly wisdom that foundationally begins and ends with understanding the fear of the Lord and finding the knowledge of God. To, to truly, it's a call for all people, especially, well, for all people to seek first the kingdom of God, really to seek first. You see, the, see the treasure seeking there? Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added unto you. It's not seek after this, and seek after this, and seek after this, and, and then God and all those things. It's seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you, namely, increasing freedom from anxiety over whatever ails you, Finances, job, how you're going to pay for the food tomorrow, all of those things. The kingdom of God, seeking first the kingdom of God. The, the kingdom of God, remember, is, is like a treasure that a man found in a field and he 
sold everything, bought the field. He bought the field because he wanted the whole field. He, didn't want, he went after it fully so that he could get that treasure. There's a picture of a pearl also, right, just, just shortly thereafter. This, this pearl was so costly. However, I don't know why I said it was this big, but it's a big costly pearl. And so this is huge pearl that is so, so worth, so overwhelmingly valuable that a man sells everything he has doesn't hold anything back. Tells everything he has to get it. Is that the way you feel about godly wisdom? All wrapped up in understanding the fear of the Lord and knowing God and believing Him and trusting Him and walking in the wisdom of God. Second point, quicker, the overwhelming worth of wisdom to God. Consider verses 19 and 20 where he says, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth, by understanding he established the heavens, by his knowledge the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. Now since the beginning of time, man has marveled at God's wondrous work in creation. We've talked about this in the past and as we've gone through Genesis, part of Genesis, the first part of Genesis together and at different times and we sing about um, the, the wondrous works of the glory of God, of glory of God in the heavens. Heavens declaring the glory of God and whatnot. Uh, David wrote Psalm 8 specifically with a feeling of wonder and, and humility over creation. God's glory in creation. Consider the creativity behind every aspect of the universe. You, you just don't have to go very far whatsoever without just being amazed, absolutely amazed, that he did not need any sort of template to go after or, or like a... Like I'm, I'm hoping to build a shed in our backyard, and I'm, I'm looking for a, for a plan, and, um, and I need to follow that plan because I'm not smart enough to just do it on my own. So I get the, get the plan, but God did not need a plan. God, by the wisdom that He is, created everything that there is. You consider how amazing your body is, and when it breaks down a little bit, how miserable we are. How many things? I think about my mom with dementia, and so like. Like that the brain, that our brains right now, that I'm able to talk, is just a, it's just a, not a miracle that I get to talk, I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is it's just amazing that we, we can talk, or we can understand, or we can hear, or we can process, or we can move our legs, or we can move our fingers, or we can smell, or we can hear, or we can see, or we can do all sorts of things. It's absolutely amazing, and so when just a couple of things kind of go wrong in whatever Whatever in, in the brain or whatever, wherever that is, for you doctors or nurses, you, you would know specifically, but like whatever's going wrong, it doesn't take much. And so the wonders of God in creation is, is just, we take so much for granted. Absolutely amazing, and he did it by wisdom. Solomon says that he covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. And you might just consider the reality here that he's speaking of this sense of the fear of the Lord that it is he who controls all those things. Stop and consider God's creation. He created by his great wisdom. Study the skies and wonder at it. Not, not wonder like how it was there, but like be in wonder and awe of it. Study a storm when a storm comes over and it's just crazy strong and powerful and, and ultimately praise God who by his infinite wisdom created 
all things. To, to look at creation and to reject that there is a God is the epitome of foolishness. Uh, for, for the fool has said in his, old, his own heart, there, there is no God. But when we are given eyes to see, given wisdom from God to believe, and our eyes are open to what he has said, and we believe what he has said, to wonder and believe his word that speaks of God's creating by wisdom, uh, our, we, we, we bow in adoration and we are rightly positioned to receive the wisdom that God offers in humility. Listen to what this one commentator states, a guy named David Hubbard. He says, if the Lord with wisdom as his tool accomplished the wonders of the various phases of creation, setting the earth on his foundation by splitting the primeval waters and setting the heavens in their appointed places and watering the earth with dew from its clouds, think what his revealed wisdom would do in the lives of those who find it. The wisdom that's spoken of here abides in God and is available to you and I. Do you, do you see the value? Can you, can you see the value of that wisdom? Solomon doesn't stop here, but he moves on to the overwhelming worth of wisdom to the sun. Now we're cynical and used to being kind of oversold. Uh, how many Instagram ads uh, of that one thing that's going to solve that issue that, you know, you must have said something to your wife or to a friend or something, and then Instagram recognizes that you, you have a great need. And now that you stop to look for a moment, um, you know, now we have all sorts of choices. So I stopped and I looked at a shower head, right? A shower head that would increase water pressure exponentially. I, I came that close to buying it, but it was like it gave me then, like after I watched for like literally, I don't know, 30 seconds, scroll down some more, oh, there's another kind. Oh, there's another kind. And it's just over and over. You know how it works, right? Um, or just, no, I might very well get the shower head. It's, it's probably a really good shower head. But I think about like the shaving razor I bought uh, because I saw this on Instagram. Or, or maybe it's like a, a natural medicine or, or something that like is going to cure kind of all ills. We just are used to being oversold on something that really isn't going to pan out necessarily entirely as we thought. But here in verses 21 through 26, Solomon promises a truckload of things, a truckload of promises, if we pursue wisdom. So the question is, are we being oversold again? When we read these verses, we being oversold? He says, my son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul. They will be life for your soul. They, they will be adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, of the ruin of the wicked. When it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Now there's... Too much to go into there to really dive in for the time that we have remaining, but the question I wanted to ask is, how can he promise so much? Because that, all that seems impossible. But verse 26 tells us how. It's because 
When we have wisdom, the Lord of wisdom will be at our side. Matter of fact, the fact that the Lord is at our side is also a reality that we have wisdom available to us. He is our confidence. He will be our confidence. He is unshakable. He's unassailable. And as we spoke of last week, in, in sovereign and omnipotent love, there is not one thing that will ever happen where we do not have the promise of either the presence of God with us, the protection of God over us, or the provision and promise of God going before us and coming behind us, and the promise of God that he is going to keep us until that final day when he presents us blameless with great joy into his very presence where there is no more tears and no more sadness, no more sorrow. When, when we have this wisdom, we will find the Lord being our confidence. And when we believe the Lord is our confidence, well, that's, that's wisdom. That's the essence of faith, confidence, surety. No, no, no guessing. You believe God's word. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There's, there's this assurance that, that we have. There, there's wisdom there because your hope is in the wisdom of God. The, everything that's wrapped up in God, that, that's, that's what you're pursuing. You're pursuing Him, not just, not just smarts for the day, not just the ability to make a wise decision here and there, although that's included, but it's, it's to know God and to live in, in, a, in a beautiful, wonderful reality of of wonder and awe and, and, and a real kind of appropriate fear before him that, that holy God wants a relationship with me and did everything necessary to be his. The wisdom is infinitely, eternally, and powerfully valuable, and by it we are changed and we're strengthened and we're protected and we're kept by the God of wisdom. Not just the wisdom of God, but I mean, you could interchange it, but I'm saying the God of wisdom, the God who is wisdom. And the only way you and I will ever stop pursuing lesser things in this life is to grasp the overwhelming worth of the wisdom that God is offering in himself. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first God. All these other things will be added to you. Do you believe it? Do I believe it? Not, not, just, not just here in this moment. Are you being persuaded? But, but will it be that you would be persuaded in your life to actually love God with all your heart, soul, and mind by the Spirit of God strengthening you to, that, you're, that, that, God, that Christ would dwell in your heart through faith and that you would be, you'd be strengthened knowing that the love of Christ is deep for you, that the love of Christ is long for you, that the love of Christ is, is so wide and for you. It's, he is for you and he's not against you. To, to know that, to believe that, and that he will never let your foot to stumble through all the hardship. That he will keep you until that final day. He will not let you go. And, and again, all these all these portions of this text are, are worth sermons in themselves, but let me just kind of jump through the 27 through 35. Just It's a very practical reality of like godly, godly wisdom. When, when one lives with godly wisdom, with, with the God of wisdom at work in their heart, um, godly wisdom will not withhold good from a neighbor. See, there's a, there's a relational peace to this. We will not withhold good to a neighbor if we're able to help. Verse 29 teaches us that godly wisdom does nothing 
evil towards our neighbor. Verse 30 speaks about godly wisdom never making false accusations. Verse 31 speaks about godly wisdom not being jealous of those who get ahead by getting what they want unjustly, but placing our trust and our hope in a, in a good and loving Father. See, the practicality of it in relationship with other people, not just other people in the church, but other people in our neighborhoods and in our country and in this world, put it all together, and you realize that those who pursue godly wisdom, those who pursue the God of wisdom diligently are at peace with God and with themselves and the people around them, even so far as loving their enemies. Those who pursue godly wisdom, as we've been speaking of, are people who aren't only wise for their own sakes, but they bring blessing and good everywhere they go. They're a blessing to the nations because they bring the God of wisdom to the nations. Well, I know we all see the value of wisdom in our own minds, but the real question, again, is just simply, do you treasure wisdom? That's what it's going to take if you're going to be wise. When we see what's wis- what wisdom is worth, then, then that's when we're really going to pursue it. And, and so, you know, perhaps as we sit here and, and listen, we're wondering quietly, okay, do you really mean to say that there's nothing more valuable than this wisdom, in case you've missed it all the way along? Are you really saying that? Yeah, yeah, really saying that. I, I'm, it's not just me saying it, right? This is, this is God himself, this is his word speaking to you and me this morning. It is of overwhelming worth, the wisdom of God. That the pursuing this wisdom is foundationally and continually coming to know and trust and rest in the all-wise God, the God who is wisdom itself. And this is why if you're continuing your journey through Psalm 19, which was the application again from two Sundays ago, you'll see the constant refrain that wisdom and understanding come not simply from years of experience, but from the only wise God and his powerful and revelatory words spoken here in this book, and we have the joy of holding in our hands or on our phones or on our tablets or our computers or wherever. Wisdom does not necessarily come by age. Wisdom comes by the word of God. So pursuing this wisdom looks, again, might be looking for other applications, but the application is meditating on the word of God. It's, I was saying to Joy yesterday, uh, driving, I said, it's just, it's just not complicated. <laughs> We make it so complicated and one just want to be able to just tell me what to do here and here and here. I'm saying, hey, read God's word. Meditate on God's word. And if you haven't been tracking with us through our going through Psalm 119, you can go to the Dwell app and you can click on, click on that and start, um, start Psalm 119 and start tracking with us along the way. Just start at the beginning and work through it. When we incline our hearts to his testimonies in this book, we will come to see Jesus. We'll come to see him. And consider what the author of Hebrews says. He says, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, 
whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Long story short, the overwhelming worth of wisdom culminates in the person of Jesus, who is the word made flesh, who dwelt among us. Jesus himself is the wisdom of God. All the treasures, Paul says in Colossians 3, of wisdom and knowledge are in him. Uh, Of course, forgiveness is in him. Redemption is in him. Rest is in him. Joy and peace and contentedness, all things that we've seen come out of godly wisdom are found in relationship with God through Jesus Christ, who, as Paul tells the Corinthian church, has become to them the wisdom from God. So, So how is it we pursue this wisdom that promises so much? Well, the application last week was consider Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We learn of Jesus. We spend time with Jesus as we, as we read about him in this book and we, as we quietly spend time with him long enough to know his presence and hear his voice because we've become familiar with his voice as we've read scripture. Come familiar with his voice so when we, when we, when we have, the, word, when we have the, the book closed and we're driving along or we're walking along the path or we're sitting at the sea or at a lake or whatever, that we hear the voice of Jesus because we're familiar with what his voice sounds like. But listen, don't move on from the applications of the last two Sundays. Dig into those applications. Psalm 119, and last week I had said, add to that reading the Gospel of John, considering Jesus. And friends, as your brothers and pastors who also need to regularly and increasingly understand the overwhelming worth of the wisdom of God, we pray for you and ask you to pray for us this way. Ephesians chapter 1. I do not cease to give thanks for you, brothers and sisters, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and all authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all. May you know him by the power of the Spirit and the Word of God. May you receive the Word um, given and and follow him. Here's the, the main point. In knowing Christ Jesus, we will find the overwhelming worth of godly wisdom and enjoy all the promises of God that are yes and amen in him. It's not complicated. This is This is what the Spirit of God is doing. I mean, he's doing many things, but primarily, the Spirit of God is at work to lift our eyes and to see Christ. And all the promises that are yes and amen in him. So you guys, when you're going going to camp, be aware. Man, be looking for asking, we're praying for you, asking for the Spirit to give you eyes to see that in the middle of all the fun and all the, the hopefully, non-injury time and all that stuff, that there is that there's this one thing that you come away with, and that is a sense of wonder of who God is, and that your hope is in him and in Christ. And friends, wherever you are in your life, whatever you're dealing with, may you know that we are praying for you. We ask you to pray for us, Ephesians 1, 15 
through 23 for the glory of God. May we know wisdom personified in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.